0: The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We are going to talk about the Green Bay Packers and the depth that they have on their roster and why that makes Green Bay even more of a contender than they already are. We're going to give out some star ratings. We're also going to talk about why you shouldn't panic about the Brewers and why the Badgers, while struggling and might not be that good, they might not be as bad as I think we all think they are. But we're going to start with the Packers in this loaded show. The depth is the highlight here as the Green Bay Packers beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 27-17. to Aaron Rodgers had a quote that said, If you were going to tell me that we would win three games without having Elton Jenkins or David Bakhtiari, I would be ecstatic. Those are two of Rodgers' all pros that are on his offensive unit. Devontae Adams and himself are the others and Aaron Jones. I don't think Aaron Jones was an all pro But he was damn close to it And so they are loaded on that offense and yet two of their biggest pieces were taken away Bakhtiari at the start of the season and elton jenkins that who went down before week number three And if you remember, uh before this year started I had said to mitch I was like, well they have elton jenkins and they're able to sort of make sure the Bakhtiari injury isn't that bad. But if they lose Elton Jenkins, then we might be dealing with a problem. And I think a lot of us were nervous heading into that San Francisco game saying, how are they gonna stop Nick Bosa without Elton Jenkins? Like, this is gonna be a real issue. And the first possession with Josh Neiman, we were like, wow, this is gonna get really bad. And then it didn't. And Neiman was awesome. And Josh Neiman really played well. And then he played well again this week. And the Green Bay offensive line, full of young guys, full of guys who are just sort of starting their NFL careers, look like fucking all pros out there. They look like guys that have been there for eight or nine years and not guys who just started their NFL careers. And that, to me, says everything you need to know about the depth of this Green Bay Packers team. And also two of the stars who will find their way on star ratings, AJ Dillon and Randall Cobb are not necessarily starters in quotations for this Packers team. AJ Dillon is the backup running back. Randall Cobb is fourth on the depth chart at wide receiver. Now Randall Cobb might have a little more playing time because of MVS, but regardless, it shows you what kind of depth the packers have and how this makes them one of the better teams in the NFL. Tony Romo mentioned at the very end of the game as Aaron Rodgers is taking the knee for the win and says this packer team is kind of just getting started. This is not going to be the packer team that we might see in the playoffs or we might see later in the year. They're going to be much much better because they'll have guys like Bakhtiari and Jenkins back. Maybe they'll have Zedaria Smith back. Maybe Kevin King, who I know is much maligned, but the sum of all parts sometimes is better. Kevin King back in the mix. Like Green Bay is really beat up for the first time in the the Matt LaFleur era. They really haven't dealt with a lot of injuries the last two years compared to the Mike McCarthy teams where it seemed like every year we were dealing with a ton of injuries by week four, or week five, and we were all asking, can the bye week start already? That is not what's happening with the Green Bay Packers under LaFleur until this year. And the Packers have unfortunately been a little bit snakebitten. You know, Zedarius Smith with the surgery was unfortunate this week. And it's really annoying that Zedarius Smith either didn't take care of his back this off season or sort of just ignored it and kept working out in, in hopes that everything was going to work out for himself. It was not the right decision, but I'm not the one to know have all the information on that. And then you lose MVS two to a hamstring injury for three games. Dominique Daphne, another key piece of your depth, is out for three games as well with a hip injury. So you look at all of these injuries and you're like, the Packers should probably be two and two, maybe one and three, but they're not. They're three and one, And they look like one of the better teams in the NFC. We'll talk kind of about that at the end of this here. But Green Bay's depth is what's going to carry them because they don't necessarily have any sort of leaks. They are a well-oiled machine and nothing is springing a leak. They are not like the Titanic where all of a sudden if they get hit with some sort of injury, it's going to all fall apart. I mean, look at the team without Jair Alexander in the later, latter stages of the fourth quarter. We all freaked out when Jair got hurt and got carted off. Now it's a sprained AC joint. That might be something that Jair Alexander can play through. It also might be worth keeping him on the bench. But before we talk about that, let's just talk about the fact that Green Bay didn't allow much from Big Ben. Eric Stokes, Gene Charles, Shannon Sullivan, I don't know if we saw a little Henry Black action in there too. They did really well, but and also the safeties, Savage and Amos. Like they took care of business. Now, Big Ben is not the quarterback that he used to be. And maybe the Big Ben of old would have tore that secondary up and led a furious comeback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But we don't know that. And we, we might see it against with the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow if Alexander doesn't play. Because you'd think Joe Burrow would be able to tear up that secondary. But it, it's also possible Green Bay is really well coached and they aren't going to allow for those big things to happen. And that to me just is very encouraging going forward. This wasn't the prettiest of wins this wasn't one of those wins where we're all hyped up about it afterwards like the san francisco game that was back and forth extremely dramatic this was just green bay coming out there and kicking pittsburgh's ass and putting strength on strength they didn't care that pittsburgh prides themselves as being this physical road grader spit spit on you sort of team green bay spat right back at them green bay ran down their throats 131 yards i know isn't necessarily running down their throats but for a steelers team that barely allowed over 100 yards of rushing last season it's damn impressive and again to go back to the depth conversation they were doing it with Guys who aren't necessarily supposed to be starting. It wasn't like David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were pushing dudes around. It's Josh Neiman and uh, Luke, not Lucas Patrick, John Runyon and Josh Myers, who's a rookie. You know, they are just getting Royce Newman, too, who I, I seem to forget a lot. Like they're just pushing dudes around. That's really impressive for Green Bay. And yeah, could they ill afford to have more injuries? Probably not. I don't want to test the depth even further. I don't necessarily want to revert to 2015 when Ladarius Le- Gunter was our number one corner against a peak Julio Jones. Like I don't want to go through that again as a fan. But I do trust this team and I think the trust has grown because of wins like this. And wins like this where the Packers are not necessarily doing it with the premier guys like Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Jair Alexander. They're doing with the other guys. That's really important. That's how you go from being a good team to a great team. So I thought this was an impressive win for the Packers, even if it wasn't necessarily the sexiest. So great win for the Packers. I think... They, can, they should consider themselves one of the favorites in the NFC at this point now. We're a quarter way through the season, and it might be too early to talk about that. I don't necessarily have a quote-unquote power rankings, but I will say from the Packer perspective, I don't necessarily think their problems are as large as some of the other teams in the NFC right now or even in the NFL for that matter. I mean, you look at the Los Angeles Rams who were the the team everybody talking about them. They beat the Buccaneers, a lot of hype. They go in hungover against the Arizona Cardinals and lay a complete egg. Now, do I know if the Arizona Cardinals are good? I'm not sure yet. I know that's crazy. They're 4 and 0. They've been putting 30 up on everybody. I can be a hater if I want to be. I just don't know if I trust Cliff Kingsbury. And I have a tough time trusting that they are going to be able to get it done when the chips are down. I'm be very curious to see how they do against San Francisco next week. San Francisco, you could argue, might be in a must-win situation and you might you'll have Trey Lance likely at quarterback. So what's that going to mean? I actually think it means it's a stay away from a betting perspective, but who knows? And then Dallas, is Dallas really a team that is a top tier contender? They might be. The hype around Dallas is going to be crazy. The Buccaneers are talented as all get out, have a ton of premier players, but I don't know if their depth's there. Like They were very lucky to come out of New England with a win. There is a very good chance that the Buccaneers could easily be two and two, and fuck, they could be one and three. I mean, the Cowboys really pushed them, and so I'm not there yet with the Buccaneers. I'm really not. And you can call me a hater, call me whatever you want. I just, I'm. I think that they're a team that cannot afford a lot of injuries, and guess what? They have a lot of them. They their whole second like Carlton Davis left with a pretty severe injury whether it was a hamstring or an achilles i'm not pro football doc over here so i don't know what it was but he he looks like he's gonna be silent Antoine winfield was checked for a concussion they don't have anyone in that secondary right now and that's that's a major issue it's not necessarily like the packers where it's like one or two guys it's like everybody so i'm just not there yet i guess with tampa and with the others, I, I think that they are they have a little bit of flaws here and there. And and I'm not saying Green Bay is not without flaws. Green Bay still has some work to do special teams-wise. Their defense, yes, Big Ben, if he connects on a few plays today, might have been a different story. But again, like, that's football. I don't know. I Like, that's just the same with the block kick. Yeah, the, the block kick happens, and Green Bay... Is then trailing? Uh, what was it? Be seventeen to ten? I think was it? Was that the? Yeah, was that it? Seventeen to ten or something like that. I, I, but again, I'm not going to concern myself with that. I'm not going to concern myself with Green Bay. Oh, it's seventeen fourteen. Excuse me. If Green Bay God would returned, it would have been seventeen fourteen. I'm not going to concern myself with the what ifs because football has what ifs throughout the fucking game. So I'm not going to worry about that. When I look at this team right now, I look at it as a deep team that can contend for the NFC crown and the Super Bowl because of it. As next man up is not necessarily the moniker. Instead, next man up just means you have a pretty solid player ready to fill in for the injured player. Let's get the star ratings. We had a good game, good week for that, as always, when the Green Bay Packers are winning. If you're unfamiliar with star ratings, we give out... Five to one stars is based on performance. Five star being the best, one star being the worst. Um, we had a lot of them last week. Probably too many of them and that's how we ended up with a 57 minute daily tap. So in an effort for that I tried to scale it back a little bit this week knowing we have a lot to talk about besides the Green Bay Packers. So my five-star today is Randall Cobb. I thought Randall Cobb was very deserving of the five-star. He had a great game. He played very well in this one. Two touchdowns, 69 yards. He had, I think, four of his five catches were on third down. Just truly impressive stuff. And this is a huge boost for the Green Bay Packers. If he is their third-down guy, that makes Green Bay so much more of a lethal threat. It's like, okay, we're going to double Devontae Adams. We're going to take Devontae Adams out of the picture. All right, I have Randall Cobb right in the middle of the field, ready to catch a eight-yard eight yard slant route or an eight-yard curl route. That's huge for Green Bay. And some people are like, oh, Brian Gutekunst, you're such a fucking idiot, yada, yada. Look, man, I don't really care. It's all the same team at this point. If you wanna say, oh, Aaron Rodgers made sure Cobb got there, yeah, he played a large role and I'm happy he did. I thought Randall Cobb honestly was a little bit washed up. I still worry about him getting hurt. He is a guy who's injury prone. I hope he keeps himself healthy because if he does, he's a vital asset to Green Bay and he's sort of pushed his way, I think ahead of Alan Lazard, who Alan Lazard had a great year last year, but he just has had some inability to sort of get going like he did last season. Now he's he's had a few splash plays here and there, but he's not necessarily had the consistently big pl- big plays time and time again. So yeah, Randall Cobb's pushing for start, pushing for time, and good on him. And I know Rodgers wanted to get him involved more. It was apparent that Randall Cobb was a focal point today, and they did a really good job with him, and that is a great go forward for Green Bay, as well as our four-star guy, A.J. Dillon. You could argue A.J. Dillon was a five-star guy too, but nobody loves bad weather games like A.J. Dillon. Aaron Rodgers talked about it after the game, saying he's the classic Green Bay running back, Who loves these type of games where it's muddy, it's gross, and that's what that's where AJ Dylan thrives. It brings back a lot of memories of Dorsey Levens and Ryan Grant, two guys who I thought loved those bad weather games and would thrive as well. Dylan had 81 yards today, and they went mano a mano with the physical Pittsburgh defense and said, "All right, you guys are gonna try to out bully us. We're gonna bring our bully too." And the fact Green Bay is also running Dylan on third and ones and short yardage situations is orgasmic to say the least. Like I think all of us were clamoring for it last year and it didn't happen often. And the fact that Matt LaFleur is going to it early on is really, really good. And A.J. Dillon, man, he can be a X factor. The fact that teams have to deal with sort of the slash and crash of Dylan and Aaron Jones is, it's going to be really hard especially as it gets deeper into this season but green bay rode the hot hand and they used the physicality of dylan for pittsburgh's equally physical defense so i expect you're going to have a couple more aj dylan games like this don't be surprised if they use dylan again against chicago I know Washington's defense isn't as good as we thought they were, but maybe a little bit against Washington and others where they sort of show that physicality and then they bring Dylan through. I love it. I absolutely love that. Other four-star, Kingsley Kike. Uh, He made a awesome play to force a fumble on big on ben roethlisberger i always want to say big ben roethlisberger i don't know why It's like either he's big ben or he's ben roethlisberger but he forces the fumble on him early on that kind of turned the game a little bit like it was seven to seven green bay just had a long drive pittsburgh's you know how do they respond they have the ball back and then all of a sudden kike sort of wrecks shit gets gets the fumble, Kenny Clark recovers, and then Green Bay scores right away. And it's all of a sudden 14-7 and the Packers really never lose that lead. And Kike played really well today and that's going to be needed going forward. You had a good game from Tyler Lancaster last week. Now Lancaster ended up going on the COVID IL. I'm not sure if, or IL, excuse me, IR. um, You know, IL, IR, whatever. Um, And... i'm not sure if lancaster was a vaccination thing or he just had covid whatever but he shined in week three and now you have kike coming through in week four that is really important for green bay they their defensive line looked like absolute garbage the first two weeks of the year and now you're finally starting to see some splash plays from guys that are not named kenny clark three stars again to my guy, Rashawn Gary, really same story to last week where he kind of comes on late and it it was really important for the Packers. Now I think because Gary is a relentless motor, he wears dudes down. He gets guys sort of in a position where by the end of it, he's going to be making a play or two late, like the splash play made where he basically sacked not only the quarterback, but the offensive tackle as well. It was a really good play for Gary, but I just need a little more early on. He was a ghost for a good part of that first half and then kind of started to come on strong late. It's cool that it came on strong late, but I need it more consistent. You need to just be there all the time. Like I feel like guys like Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, for example, Chandler Jones, are always in the quarterback's kitchen from start to finish. I just need a little more consistency from Rashawn Gary. And I know that was kind of his bugaboo heading out of college. I just just need more. I need a little bit more from Rashawn Gary, and that's what I'm asking for, and that's why I have him at the three-star. Another three-star handing off to Aaron Rodgers. I don't think entirely too much was asked of Aaron Rodgers. I think he ended up throwing for 248. He got one touchdown, which puts him at 420 for his career. I think everybody will make some jokes about that, especially with his hippie hair that he has going on right now. But, yeah, it wasn't necessarily a dynamite Aaron Rodgers game where everybody was freaking out about what Aaron Rodgers did. That that really wasn't necessary, necessarily there. And I felt like he missed Devontae Adams on a couple things, 20 of 36, 248, only averaged seven yards a pass and a QBR of 49. His rating was under 100 in this one as well. Rodgers did take one in as well for a touchdown on the run, but it wasn't a necessarily great Aaron Rodgers game. And again, the Packers being able to win without Aaron Rodgers being great is always a good thing. I know that might sound weird to some people, but that's how, you, again, an indication of a really good team when you have Aaron Rodgers not being at his best, but the Packers still in full control. That's good shit right there. So I'm okay with it. Um, I think Rodgers will be all right. I right. He'll get to eat in certain situations. I think the Bengals are not that great in the secondary. You have a Washington football team that's been trashed. The Bears... Are good up front, but their back is not always great either. So Rogers are going to have some opportunities in the next few weeks to kind of show show through. But yeah, is not the MVP this year so far. No, but again, it's a little weird to be talking about that this early. So I'm not not too concerned about a average Aaron Rodgers start. Two stars to Eric Stokes. He did have an interception, but man, Pittsburgh went right at him at certain points and really pushed the ball downfield because they were going right at Stokes. I don't know if now the film's out and people are starting to make some adjustments, if it was just a matchup thing. I'm not gonna freak out too much about it. Eric Stokes just still know that there are gonna be games where people go at him and that's the game plan. Matt Canada's game plan was to go at Eric Stokes and Eric Stokes, if Big Ben connected a little bit, he would have been in some real trouble. And thankfully for him, he didn't. And Eric Stokes can look at it and say, thank God. And it, and also he had the interception, which was great. But yeah, I, I just need a little more from Eric Stokes um, than he was showing in this one. But again, another one like Rodgers where I'm not gonna freak out about it because it's a situation where it's a young cornerback playing and only really his fourth game his second start there's no reason for us to be panicking about eric stokes he's playing good he's just it wasn't the greatest of games for him one star of the field goal unit man they're gonna get blocked soon and it's gonna really fucking suck and hopefully a game won't hinge on that. Hopefully a game won't come down to Green Bay needing a field goal. And then the left side is just completely exposed because Pittsburgh blocked it and returned that, which probably should have been called. It was 17 to 14. And who knows where the game goes. I still think the Packers win, but yeah, you can't have that. And I think it really comes down to Robert Tunyon. Robert Tunyon doesn't want to be out there. And whether it's because he's a starter, whether it's because he doesn't want to block, he does not want to be out there on field goal. And I know it's probably a lot of ass big dog to be on special teams. He's old. He's like, I'm too fucking old to play special teams. I get it. But Matthew Slater does it. So I don't know, maybe he should too. And I think that's Dominique Daphne's role usually. On the outside, they're going to have to find somebody else. And I don't know who it's going to be, but it it can't be Robert Tunyon because he doesn't want to be out there. And so they need to either work with Tanyan on how to be better or look at somebody else on that corner. I'll be interested to see if Maurice Drayton meets with the media this week and if they talk about any sort of changes on that field goal unit because it feels like you need one. And that was my one star for the Packers-Steeler game, but all in all, a really good win for Green Bay. And it's on to Cincinnati in a non-ironic way, because literally it is on to Cincinnati. Time to cure some horrors that have happened in that stadium. It's not been a a friendly place uh, for Green Bay in their limited time when they've played the Bengals. All right, let's move on to baseball. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. The playoffs are here. We will be first game of the NLDS against the Atlanta Braves on Friday. Some rumors over the weekend was this game was going to be at 330 per Bart Winkler. Bart didn't want credit. Sorry, Bart. I'm giving you credit um, because he's like, I could be wrong. I get that. I've done that move before where I'm like, I might be wrong. I might be right, but here's what I've heard. So it it is 330. The Brewers did end their year on a sour note. They lost four straight games. They were one in five on a road trip. They. I think finished five and 10 per McAlvey to finish off the whole year. It was not a pretty scene for the Brewers, really since that Indian series, which we talked about on the podcast last week. But I have no reason to freak out about this Brewers team. I have none. Because I just think their motivation wasn't there. That's not what they were necessarily looking at Doing to finish out the year and it's going to be an all-time version of what wins out motivation Or or i'm sorry momentum or overall team play because what the brewers have done as a team This season outweighs the quote-unquote momentum to finish off the year Yes, atlanta has won 12 of their last 14 games, but atlanta had to keep winning because they had a division title to win I think it's ignorant to assume that the Brewers would have collapsed if they were in a pennant race with the the St. Louis Cardinals, or if say they had a chance at the best record with the San Francisco Giants, that the Brewers wouldn't have tried to fight. But because the Brewers had literally nothing to play for, they were dormy halfway through the month of September. They focused on getting healthy, getting everybody in good spirits, checking out the guys who could or could not be postseason players versus trying to win every game. Yes, they want to win every game, but they they were basically experimenting and it became glorified spring training for the Brewers. And yes, they will get criticized to the end of the earth if they end up losing in like four games to the Braves or five. And they'll point to it and say, "Well, if they just would have sorta kept their sorta spirits and their momentum, nothing would have changed. I don't know why I'm using spirits, I apologize. But it's like, it, it basically is like that energy, I guess, is how I'm describing spirits. It's like that energy and that like sort of bravado and swagger that they had all season. It's not like that went away just because they started losing games. They just necessarily didn't have the importance of every fucking pitch that it was like that in August and it was like that in July and June. The Brewers pulled away and the Brewers were stellar throughout those months. And why should we just damper it by saying, oh, they were terrible in September. They're going to lose in the playoffs. I think that is a bad transitive property. I don't think that is anything we should use. If the Brewers, for example, were like like the White Sox, our team, and I, I mentioned the White Sox last week on this, is like the White Sox didn't have anything to fight for basically since the All-Star break. And they were about a 500 team since the All-Star break. That would worry me a little bit because it, that is an extended period of time. For the Brewers, it was like two weeks and they weren't necessarily in a funk that they desperately needed to win. It's not like the Brewers blew the NL Central and now they're in a wild card game against the Dodgers. If that were the case, then yes, feel free to panic, feel free to go crazy. But the fact of the matter was, the Brewers had it wrapped up and they know their roster better than you. Craig Council knows more than we do. David Stearns knows more than we do. Council and Stearns, whomever pushes that button said we need to get our guys healthy and we're just going to take it easy the last few weeks of the season because we don't necessarily need these wins would it be nice to get to 100 yes would it been cool to break the franchise record for wins sure does it matter in the long run does that get you an extra like out so you make sure you get to the world series fuck no they were, all they're concerned about is the World Series. All they're concerned about is a deep postseason run. I believe this team is going to get off the map. And I think they're going to have a great game One. I think the fan energy is going to be ridiculous. I'll be in the building for that. And I think it's, it's going to, you're going to see it shine through. You're going to see it pull through for the Brewers. And it's not going to be something where they look lifeless. I would be shocked if the Brewers come out Flat in the first playoff game despite everything that's happened in the last few weeks it's not a cause for concern and if you're worried about it and you think that the brewers are fucked i don't know what to tell you man you you gotta you gotta have a little more confidence they're going to play with a fire out of their ass just remember this when they were playing their opposition the last few weeks of the season they played the cardinals twice cardinals in both scenarios had something to play for especially the first time they played where they got a four-game sweep they were on this crazy winning streak they wanted to keep it going they had to make sure that they secured the second playoff from the cincinnati reds the dodgers playing for the nl west until game 162 so they had everything in the world to play for the mets didn't so the, the one team they they played that had nothing to play for was the New York Mets and they swept their asses. So what does that tell you? It just tells you this the calendar was kind of funky to the Brewers. If the Brewers finished the year with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Colorado Rockies, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Chicago Cubs, do you really think the Brewers record would have been like 5 and 10 down the stretch? Probably not. Because the Brewers at 75% should beat those teams. And they should be feeling good heading into the postseason. I understand it gives you a little bit of nervousness. But you got to trust Craig Council. And you got to trust that the Brewers know what they're doing here. And if it backfires, well, then it's a lesson learned. And then it's something that Craig Council will take with him in the following years to come. We'll just see. But I feel good about this Brewers team I think they can beat the Braves It's not going to be easy I think sometimes there's been a lot of look ahead stuff That I, I I didn't realize it until Mitch said it On the podcast last week I just need everybody to calm down Braves are a good team I don't know if they're a good pitching team But they can hit, hit the fucking ball They have a lot of guys who can do it So the Brewers need to be on their best Game And hopefully they can come through with a major victory and advance to yet another NLCS. Lastly, let's wrap up today's show with the Wisconsin Badgers. The Wisconsin Badgers lost yet again. It's the same old story. They're one and three for the first time since 1990. And as I noted in the open, they're playing bad, but they might not be like one of the worst teams in the Big 10, okay? I think it's been a little dramatic for the for the Wisconsin Badgers that the sky is completely falling. I think it's bad for Wisconsin. I I think Graham Mertz, while he started to cook, and it's unfortunate he got hurt. I I still think there are some questions there, but I don't necessarily think this Badger team isn't going to make a bowl game. We're going to be six and six. They've just played the hardest schedule in college football for the first four game four games of the season. No one else has played a harder schedule than the Wisconsin Badgers, and it's it makes sense, right? You play Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan. So how can we really judge the Badgers yet? If the Badgers go to Illinois next week and they lose to a mediocre Illinois team in the first matchup for Brett Bielema against the team he used to coach, then that then then we can start having the conversation of boy, they might really be bad. So I'm not I'm not ready to completely sell all of my Badger stock. I realize they won't make the playoff. I realize that maybe the best they can do is get win the Big 10 West again and then win the Big 10 title game and go to the Rose Bowl. I understand that's the best case scenario right now for Wisconsin. And sometimes I think fans get too wrapped up in the playoff where it's like, "Well, well, the playoff, this season's fucked. I don't know what else we're going to cheer for." It's like that's just bad fan. I'm sorry. That's that's a bad way to fan. Because there's still positives. There's still things that can happen in the season that are good for the team and that can show promise and carry into the next year. If Wisconsin can beat Iowa in a couple weeks here that's in Camp Randall and kind of be a spoiler. Now Iowa plays Penn State this weekend in Iowa City. It's going to be an awesome game. It's going to be one of the best. I'm very excited for Penn State Iowa. Of course I have an event in the late afternoon as always in my life, which I never seem to just get a full weekend alone watching football. Today was as close as it came, which is great. I fucking loved it. But Saturdays, man, I have not had a inter- uninterrupted Saturday in some time, and I definitely need it. I think since week one, week one was like my first, my only one. We went to a concert at the end of it to support Mitch. Which was a good move because Georgia Clemson was an awful football game. But, like, my God, I have not had any fucking time to myself on Saturdays. Now that I think about it, all of a sudden it was like this epiphany. Like, holy shit, I've been so busy since I've been married. And it's like, yeah, Charlie, welcome to marriage. This is what it is. I'm like, no, this is not, like, my wife and I definitely have our own lives and do this. I think this is just kind of an anomaly, unfortunately. But yes, I have an event in the late afternoon. So yes, that will be unfortunate for Iowa-Penn State. So hopefully I'll get to watch most of that game and hopefully be able to have it on the TV at at the place I'll be attending later that afternoon because Iowa-Penn State is going to be a banger, man. That's going to be a really fun football game between those two teams. But back to the Badgers, they can play spoiler to Iowa. That's still a huge accomplishment for the year. And if the Badgers end up winning the Big 10 West after starting one and three, that is a good fucking season. Sure, they won't make the playoffs, but you have to look at the bright side here. I think college football is so obsessed with the playoff that you can't look at some of the other potential positives. Right now, Wisconsin needs to fix their offensive line. Does that mean they need to try new guys? Does that mean they have to kind of shape up their combination? Maybe call Adam Stefancic from the Green Bay Packers and be like, what's wrong with our offensive line? What have you noticed? Have you seen any tape? He probably has no fucking time for that. But still, it's like they need to do something different because it's not working right now. And the longer they kind of dilly-dally with it, the more guys that are going to get hurt, such as Graham Mertz. That was a brutal hit that he took. And he took it because there is just continued issues on – on that offensive line and they have to fix it and as for the Michigan game I, you know it was one of those things where it was the same story right the badgers kept it close early and then michigan just lays down the hammer in the second half happened in notre dame it kind of happened in penn state a little bit and i think this should be a wake-up call for paul chris not necessarily in the sense of he needs to change his offense and he, he needs to adapt to 2021, maybe a little bit of that. But what I think this really comes down to is Paul Chris brought in a bunch of high-level recruits. Badgers started to have some legitimate, legitimately good recruiting classes the last couple of years. Now, is it just those guys are waiting in the wings and they're not necessarily at the level of some of the other guys? Or is it that he recruited dudes that maybe had better high school numbers than they should have? And they maybe not coming from the big high school factories of Florida, Texas, Ohio, California, you name it, right? And maybe that's part of the problem. And maybe it's also that they're not Relying on the transfer portal enough? Yes, they got ches Malusi, but they didn't get a lot of other dudes. And I know that's a big contention with Clemson, and sort of saying how Dabo has to do what Coach K did and adapt. And even though Coach K hated the one and duns, the one and duns got Coach K a fucking NCAA title. So, what's that to say? You, You gotta you gotta play with what Alabama and what Georgia. And what, I'm trying to think of another example, but those are the two best examples of teams that are just exhausting all of their resources. The Badgers have to do the same. And maybe they can't get by with just recruiting Wisconsin guys and walk-ons. I know, they're, I know that's simplifying it way, way more than it actually is. But it does seem like a little something has to change because you keep losing the ranked teams. This is the eighth loss to a ranked team in a row. You've now, you're have now now one in three. were the 12th best team in the nation to start the year. You should at least beat one, and you beat none. So change has to happen. We'll see. Illinois is a nice get-right spot, but it's on the road. And last time they were at Illinois, they were, what, a 27-point favorite, and they lost? So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it's not history does not repeat itself for the Badgers. All right, that does it for today's show. Back tomorrow, likely a daily tap, but I will preface Tapping the Keg will move this week um, because the NL wild card is that Wednesday night. Probably would make no sense for Mission I to tape that night. So either we'll do Thursday or we'll do before the baseball playoffs. We we'll Preview the baseball playoffs on that one um, when we'll talk about Packers, Bengals, On our other shows with Daily Tap and Should I Bet My Team and everything else. So looking forward to another great week with you all. I can't believe we're in October. It's crazy. October baseball is here. Basketball will shortly be on its way. And football is rocking and fucking rolling. All right. Take care, guys. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.